Hi, welcome to Revenue Marketing Television, the CMO Insights Series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Today as our guest, we have Shira Abel, who is Chief Executive Officer of Hunter & Bard, which is an award-winning PR and design agency. Shira, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I was really looking forward to coming on, and I'm honored to be here. Honored to have you. Last time we were, uh, we were at B2BMX, right, and I think we were freezing outside. Yes. <laughs> and right. usually cold weather for Arizona, like you're not expecting it. And yet there it is. It really did throw us off. I think we're like, oh, great. You know, Arizona in February. This is amazing. And um, it wasn't. It was actually colder than San Francisco. It, it was. But fortunately, the content was was awesome because the guys at the yeah. Gen report do a phenomenal job. So we're, we're heading back there this year. Are you going again? Probably. Um, I haven't looked at yet. But yeah, there's a good chance that I will be. OK, awesome. So. Uh, PR, I think, is is a, is a long, long tradition in marketing, a staple, but it's it's changed a lot along with marketing over the last ten or fifteen years, right? Through social and other chan uh, channels and the way that brand is changing. So, you're an expert. You you, ha you have a business, and what's your take on that? You know, what are some of the things that uh, where PR has changed the most? Well, con PR isn't about just pitching anymore. PR is more about, it's about content, it's about thought leadership, at least what we do. We do the pitching, but we also do a lot of thought leadership with contributing pieces, with interviews, with getting people on vlogs and, and podcasts and spreading the word in a different way. It's about the content that you create and are able to distribute. It's the reports that you're able to get from your data. So it's a lot more than just calling up a journalist. Not that that's so easy, because that's actually incredibly hard, uh, but it's a lot more than that now. So it's spread. It's every place that you get your message out. Public relations is about the public. So everywhere your message is, and everyone who's talking about you is what public relations touches. And so that's, that's pretty, what we do. pretty broadly encompassing. I, yeah. A lot of uh, PR professionals I, I talk to so one of the bigger challenges they've had is just the changing of measurement, you know, because it used to be about reach and impressions, and it still is. But now they're also like every other marketing executive being asked to be more specific, more accountable. So how much revenue or pipeline or, or market share or other types of things is my PR investment getting for me? Are you are you finding the same from from your clients? For us, we do both impressions and engagement because we also handle a lot of things that are, um, well, engagement oriented, like social and content and blogging um, and influencer outreach. So we do it in terms of engagement where we'll create something, share it out, see how many shares it gets, all of that. Um, there is a lot of different measurements that we go after, but the main ones that we report to, because the executives want everything to be incredibly simple, we're not, because we're an agency, we're not usually tied in to knowing the exact um, numbers that we bring into a company. Okay, we're not in that part of the funnel. We don't have that kind of access. Uh, but what we do have is our level of engagement and the impressions that we bring in. And then what we do is we work with the company on making sure that that's tying down. Um, if Okay, actually back up on that. 
So how it ends up working is the company needs to bring us in to be able to do that. Some do, some don't. That's their choice. But we can pull it through to see where it ends up going. It's just a significantly larger process. And they need to have all of their inner workings kind of very cohesive to be able to do that. Sure, it makes uh, sense. And that, that probably goes into the expectation setting that you have with your customers at the beginning of an engagement. Well, most of the companies who take us really understand what they're going for here. They know that by getting into the media and by building up their brand, well, the, for the public companies, building up your brand builds up your stock price. Okay. And also it's a barrier to entry. Brand itself is its own uh, bar to be able to cross. So it's hard to, let's say Apple. Okay. Really strong brand. The products they make, plenty of other companies make the same products, but their brand is so strong. So Apple, really strong company, really strong brand. That's reflected in their price. I think the numbers are a strong brand ends up raising up your stock price by about 33%. Um, so the more your name gets out there, the more mind share you have, the more likely you are to, your sales will be a shorter sales cycle your um you'll sell more and it will be you'll have higher customer lifetime value because you'll have higher loyalty assuming that you're actually doing everything that you need to on the post sale end so yeah i that i think came from i want to say a brand book from kellogg northwestern which is my alma mater so um so yeah the numbers i don't remember the exact source but having a strong brand raises up your stock value by about 33%. So I, I know it's the goal for every company to drive and control their brand, but in today's day and age, are companies really in control of the brand or is it really the customer that's in control of the brand? The company's never been in control of the brand. It's always been the customer. What people say about you and what people think of you is your brand. So if they're saying good things, then you have a good, strong brand. If they're saying bad things and there's nobody out there to say something good back, then you need, you have some things to work on. It's considered an opportunity because then you can improve. And with improvement, everything else goes up as well. I think that's one of the benefits with all the online mediums and the real-time feedback, You know, whether mm -hmm. it's a social channel through Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, you can see sentiment much faster than you yeah. could 15, 20 years ago. Um, and then it's just a question of how you're organized to address that and truly incorporate that feedback into what you're trying to do. Definitely. So uh, I've met, I've talked to a couple people on the show about Amazon, which is, I think, a company a lot of people admire. I know I do. And there's this common story about how Jeff Bezos always has an empty chair in, in his executive meetings, which represents the customer. And they will literally actually turn and talk to the chair in to, to really reinforce the notion that we have to constantly be taking customer feedback in. So yeah. um, do you take a similar approach with your work and, and, I mean, the branding and the PR that you're doing? Absolutely. You have to think about the customer. The customer is the center of absolutely everything. It's the center of who you're speaking to. And a great example of this, the Drift conference uh, had somebody that was, well, basically in 
incredibly sexist on stage and there was an uproar afterwards. They treated their customer, all of their female customers, and quite frankly, they insulted all of their male customers as well to think that they would be the type of people who would enjoy some guy on stage talking about what he talked about with his, never mind, we're not going to go into the details on that. Let's just say it was really inappropriate and way far over every acceptable line. Um, they knew what they were doing. Okay. They they actually said in the beginning of the conference that you might see some, you might hear some controversial views on things, da, 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 da. Okay. They warned people. So they knew exactly who they were going to have on stage. It's, and I've interviewed uh, the CEO of Drift. I've interviewed David Cancel and he was great in the interview. So I'm actually really surprised that he would have somebody like that on his stage. Um, and, and they, they are, I mean, they have a great product too, because I mean, there's a lot of people talk about them in terms of what they're doing with, um, with engagement. Yeah. So, but um, they lost a lot of loyalty from that, at least from every woman. And please don't think that women don't have any budgets and don't control anything in their organizations. He was aiming for, okay, well we sell the sales guys and the sales guys are guys and they're manly men. So we're going to do this and we'll just, brush off any flack we get from it. I mean, I don't actually know, but that's my assumption, which could be completely off. Either way, they still put the guy on stage and they had to have known what his whole MO is because they apologized for it before they even started it. All right. They said, so they, know, yeah, they must, have been taking, they must have been taking a calculated risk. Um, you know, but it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I have, um, two, uh, women partners, um, we have a lot of strong women in, in our company, and I'm I'm personally still amazed at the role sexism still plays in society. Like even at the simplest level, um, when yeah. people see the you know forget who the president is, but when the president's a male and the first lady's the first lady, why is every comment about the first lady always about what her she's clothes. wearing, her looks, or her outfit? No one ever says, "Well, oh, the president looked really sharp today in that tie." Like I love the way the cut of that cut. You know what I mean? So why why can't it be about the woman and her brain and, and her accomplishments? Why is it always about the woman's looks? I think it was more with that with Michelle Obama. Um, I think, well, particularly Millennial, how are you saying her name? She was a model. She's very into clothes. So with her, it makes more sense. Fine. But with Michelle Obama, I think a lot of it was also about what she did in addition to what she wore. But yes, there was a lot of focus on what she wore. But as Ogilvy said way back in the day, the customer is your wife. Treat them with respect. If you want this marriage to actually last, you need to put effort and trust and respect into it. And if you lie to them, if you treat them badly, don't expect them to stick around. And that's essentially it. The customer is not a battered wife. It shouldn't be. So if you're going to treat your customer disrespectfully, don't expect them to stick around. And... So, you know, I mean, it'll be interesting. Drift is a great product. Maybe it won't end up mattering. Maybe it will. It'll be interesting to see what pans out over the next few months. To but, but I think that's also an example and an extreme case where companies misunderstand who their customer really is. Um, and a lot of times when we do buying journey and persona work and we do validation, you know, mm -hmm. every company will always give you the little, this is our customer, you know, if it's in this demographic, whatever. And then when we, we research the data and we look at their contracts, uh, a lot of times that might be partially true, 
but then they have a lot of other segments and customers that they're selling to that they're not really actively marketing to or selling to that they're not actively tracking. So that's mm -hmm. both good and bad, right? It, it could represent a great opportunity for them to market to these other segments. At the same time, maybe they're not spending their resources well enough on the segments that they think they have. Um, but just back to the role of women again, because you're also a woman executive. I mean, there's just so many examples that happen every day. Like last week, it was uh, Serena Williams at the US Open, right? And then that cartoon that the Australian guy put out and the way he looked at it, it wasn't racist at all. He was just trying to portray her. But then a lot of lay people could look at that cartoon and say, well, how can you not say that's racist? When, why would you treat a woman that way? And just even given how she was treated at, at the, at the um, Open itself. So I just wonder, since you've been a CEO now for a while, you know, do you face those stereotypes every day? And, and if so, how do you overcome them? I, there are some things you can fight and there are some things you simply can't. Um, there are companies who won't take us for, won't even, you know, look in the general direction due to my gender. There are others who will due to my gender. Um, I would, all right, this is personal, but I would love to grow out my gray hair. I think it's pretty. I have little silver sparkles coming from my head and I think it's kind of awesome. Uh, but I dye my hair because when I grew it out last time, I need to close deals. I have a responsibility both to everyone on my team as well as, uh, you know, as everyone on my team, as well as my family. So I need to sell and dying guys have the exact same thing though. I mean, ageism is both genders. I don't think that's uh, that's owned by anyone. But the fact is, yeah, we're we all have something that they're going to say. Oh, I want to work with this. I don't want to work with that. Um, I've had a few of those experiences. I've also had experiences where uh, I I'm also Israeli. That's come against me before. So there is a whole bunch of things. Uh, that I've gotten to deal with, especially since moving back to the U.S. I found it a lot easier in Europe and Israel, um, but that could have just been circumstantial. I, again, just as one person, it's kind of hard to make any type of statistical analysis from it. Impossible, actually. So my personal experience is, yeah, I've, I've run up against those. It's not fun, but it's also, okay, yeah, it's there. I would rather not think about it and focus on the fact that we do this work. We're good at what we do. We've signed these large organizations and these small organizations that are highly successful, fast scale ups. We're working with great companies. We're doing great work. I'd rather focus on that. We're doing fine. So That's I can't great. complain. That's a healthy <laughs> attitude. That's what it should be, right? It should be about the work. Yeah. It should be about performance. It should be about results, uh, not what size or shape or color or a sex you come in, right? What you actually produce. I will say this. We get a lot more. We get um, when I'm on stage after somebody see me on stage, it changes everything. Absolutely everything. If I were to meet somebody at a networking event versus seeing having after they've seen me on stage, either a video or actually live completely different conversation so no, and that's fair and i think sometimes maybe people do have whatever their preconceived notions or ideas on their own upbringing and then um but i'd like to think most people are reasonable people so when they're given the chance to make that evaluation then they, they can yeah. make a good decision right because good work is good work right and, exactly and, and it explains why you guys have done so well for all these years so um so it's good today i uh, re really enjoyed our conversation so we're gonna can I look down yet 
Uh, yeah, we're, we're winding it up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look at you. It's really hard to look up at the camera when I want to look at you. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Um, but uh, Shira, thank you um, so much for being on the program today. Great insights. Uh, love what you're doing over there. And uh, I will see you in the, again in the desert, hopefully soon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It was a pleasure to be on. Um, I hope to see you soon as well. You bet. Thank you.